0: Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, build your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. So good morning to everybody. I'm thankful that you're here, and uh, yeah, I, I want to just... Uh, begin by saying whether you're here in person, whether you're online, you're uh, joining us from, from home, from work, hopefully not on the road, but I have heard a few of those stories. I want to say thank you for tuning in, for watching. Um, our heart is that as God is speaking to us, that we're just, <laughs> we're being the mouthpiece that he's asking us to be and speaking the word that he's put on our hearts to say and trusting him to do all the rest. Because at the end of the day, it's him that's, uh, this is his work and that's, uh, he's the one that changes people's hearts. And it's his word. ...that can change us from the inside out. So, i um, excited for the opportunity. I'm humbled by the opportunity to be able to communicate today. If this is the first time that we've ever met... ...or if, if, you, uh, if you're you like, who in the world is Ben? Um, I'm Ben. And so, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening in, for taking carving out a time on your Sunday morning. And uh, once upon a time, this is what people just did. And uh, any more, though, that's not necessarily true... And so uh, for those of you that have been through the generation where you're like, well, that's what we did. So thank you for being here. And I don't want to diminish that. But at the end of the day, uh, thanks for, for those that are here and you're like, this is a new thing for me. I didn't grow up going to church. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I have not spent my life on Sundays going to church or listening to someone deliver the word and worship and stuff. So if that's you and you're here today, I just want to say uh, thanks for being here and that you're in a good place. And regardless of where you're at in the journey, uh, that you're not in a room full of perfect people that have it all together, and then you're like the 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 you know the odd duck out. If anything we sang about it earlier that 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 uh, Jesus. Told a story about a shepherd going and leaving ninety nine sheep to look for that one. And so, if that's you, uh, God has His eyes on you, and you're here for a reason. You're watching for a reason, and uh, that's where the heart of God is, is is on you. So, thanks for for that. Thanks for being here and for leaning into that. We've actually been in kind of a a series of talks, uh, and the series has been called "It's Begun." And uh, the irony is that. We've been in the book of the Bible, or a lot of people will refer to this as the Gospel of Mark, and actually the last chapter. And it's been interesting to walk through this final chapter in the Gospel of Mark, because a portion of this chapter is actually um, not in all the manuscripts. And so we've been kind of... We've been kind of going off the script, so to say. In essence, that there are some manuscripts that didn't have these, these stories or some of the things that, that Mark or that were, were later maybe even added to this epistle. But nonetheless, God in his grace and mercy has allowed it to appear. And even if you've opened up your Bible, and maybe you have it here with you, and I would just welcome you to go ahead and open it. And if it doesn't say this, then your Bible is wrong. And you need to get one of these. No, I'm just kidding. Um, If you open up your Bible, and I'm sorry, it's taking me a little while to get to Mark 16. Um, It says, right here after verse 8 on chapter 16, The earliest manuscripts and some other ancient witnesses do not have Mark 16, 9 through 20. And so you're like, so why in the world are we talking about that? Well, we're going to head into some of that, some of the reason behind that. But at the end of the day, if this is God's word, and if he didn't want that there, he could have surely made a way where this never would have ended up there. Uh, But it is here. And what's odd and what's cool about our story today is that actually the two-verse story in Mark is actually much lengthier and much more detailed in another gospel that we're going to be in today. So it's not that, hey, we're reading this and this never happened, so... Get out of that book. No, it's here. And it's also in another gospel. So we're going to be in a gospel or a book of the Bible called Luke. And Luke is definitely known for uh, his attention to detail. He's probably a type, probably was a type A kind of a person. He picked up on things and details that other people missed. So um, we're going to be in a book of the Bible called Luke. Because Mark's account of the story that we're about to read sounds like this and it's not going to be up on the screen because we're going to be in Luke but all that Mark has to say is after and this is verse 12 in Mark 16 afterward Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country they returned and reported it to the rest but they did not believe them either have a great Sunday see you next week Uh, that's it that's all the Mark shows and has for this particular story but we're going to be in Chapter 24 of the Gospel of Luke today. And the story is called The Road to Emmaus. So I want to set this up just a little bit. Mark 16 begins with the resurrection of Jesus. And what's interesting about this resurrection is that it's... So Jesus is the very first person in history to not have only talked about that, Hey, one day I'm going to die and then I will be raised from the dead. There's been lots of people who have made that claim. But Jesus is the only person who actually said it and then did it. And not only that, but for 40 days following his resurrection, he shows himself. There are stories throughout the Gospels. There are stories of Jesus meeting with people, appearing to people over this 40-day span after his resurrection. Eyewitness accounts of people that said I saw the risen Christ and not just that though because anyone can say yeah I saw him uh, yeah I was down over by that tree over there Um, these people most of them would end up giving their lives because they would not deny Christ and what they had seen It wasn't because you know. It wasn't because they they were sharing this message that Jesus said, "Love your neighbor." That's not why uh, Jesus was killed, and it wasn't why a lot of the disciples were killed. It was literally because they were like, "We cannot lie about this. We we cannot. We have to see and we have to tell you what we've seen. We can't. This happened, and I know it. It's not supposed to happen, but it happened. And we saw him. God raised him from the dead, and so these accounts. Are, are witness accounts of people that put their life on the line. They said, If you're going to have to kill me, then I guess then that's, then, then I put my hands, I put my life in the hands of God because at the end of the day, I will not deny what I've seen and what I've experienced. And so that has occurred. But at this point in time, there were a few that, we told the story, there were a few that arrived at the tomb and there were some angels there that basically said, hey, why do you look for uh, the living among the dead? Jesus has risen. And so these ladies go back to the disciples and uh, the disciples think, mm, it's just a big, huge, made-up story or something. They, they don't even know what to do with it. They, they don't believe. And then, that's kind of where we pick up in our story in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. So, If you have your Bibles, great. Please, if you haven't already, turn there to Luke chapter 24. And if you don't have your Bible, we have uh, these verses that are going to be on the screen. And uh, so we're going to take off in verse 13 of chapter 24 in the Gospel of Luke. And it's called, On the Road to Emmaus. So here we go. If you're ready, say, "Oh, Oh, yeah. All right. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. Now these two were... Followers or people that had followed Jesus. So on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. So they were headed away from Jerusalem to Emmaus. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. I love this. This, I mean, this isn't, this isn't made up. You can't, I mean, you can't write, you can't make up stuff like this. This is, this is good. We love this. Jesus appears and begins walking along with these two, two individuals. We don't know if it was two dudes, if it was a husband and a wife. We don't know, but we know that there were two. Headed to Emmaus, Jesus shows up, walks alongside them, but they were kept from recognizing him. We continue. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? This is a question that Jesus asked his disciples many different times as they're walking along. He knows exactly what they were discussing, but he's asking questions, not to get some knowledge, he knows exactly what they're talking about, but he's asking questions because that's what Jesus did. You'd ask him a question, and he'd ask you a question. And so, here we go. Jesus asks, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? That's funny. That is hilarious. I don't care who you are. If this is the first time that you're reading this verse or the first time you've ever heard this story, there is one person that all the things this final week had led up to and were... The, that the crosshairs were fixed on. It was about one person. It was the person of Jesus. And so they happened to be talking about this. And the one person they were talking about is the one person that this guy says, do you not know anything that's happened in Jerusalem this last week? And that's just funny. I don't, I don't know. I don't care who, who you are. That's funny right there. God has a sense of humor. Jesus Pastor Ryan spoke about and spoke to this a few weeks back that the people were looking for the Messiah, but they were looking for a different kind of Messiah. They were hoping to, for him to take care of the here and now right in front of them, this physical kingdom or, or dominion of Rome and free them from, from that. And, and Jesus had something better in mind. And so we see this again here that we thought, we had hoped that he was going to redeem Israel. And they continue in verse 21. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. You're like, so what? What does that have to do with anything? Third day. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And to, then I would say, why are you headed to Emmaus? But nonetheless, some, then some of the companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see. They're walking with the risen Savior. They did not recognize him. They had thought that he was going to redeem Israel. They had hoped. Even the witness account that went to the tomb, they went there and it says, but him they did not see. And he said to them, this is Jesus' words, How foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And at that moment, you would think anyone who had followed him up to that point would have been like, Oh, it's you. I'm so sorry. You just Your hair changed. I really like it, by the way, but it looks great. But... um. I didn't realize it was you, but that's not what happened. And Jesus, beginning, verse 27, with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So when uh, you hear the words Moses and all the prophets, in essence, uh, what uh, Luke is referring to here is what we know as the Old Testament. And something that you need to know about the Old Testament. Um, I've been in circles of Christians that feel like um, that there's a portion of the Bible that we don't need to read anymore. That there's a portion of the Bible, it's old, right? It's what you do with old expired stuff in your food pantry. What do you do? You toss it out because it's no longer good. And they treat the Old Testament like that. Or the Old Covenant is another word that's known for. But Jesus goes back to the Old Testament or the Old Covenant. And can you imagine... The Son of God, the living Word, the Word of God, explaining the Word of God. That that he had partnered, the Holy Spirit and these individuals had partnered together to write out these words. And listening to a risen Christ explaining all that the Old Testament had spoke about him. Can you imagine listening to that? I don't know about you. I've heard a ton of sermons and messages or whatever you want to call them, talks, in my day. But, man, to listen to Jesus explaining the scriptures. And he says that they, that they, they, they point it all back to him. Right? Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, verse 20 says, Seven says, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Powerful. Can't imagine what that would have been like. No crowd, no audience. I mean, nothing than the, just the three of them walking along the road. But, man. And as they approached, in verse 28, the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. Farther, sorry. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And something that you need to understand about that culture there, one, it would have been uh, very, very common for people to, uh, to welcome someone into their house, especially as it was getting dark. Because that, when, uh, when it became dark, that was when you didn't want to be out on the road. That was when, like, the real-life story of the Good Samaritan would play out. That when you're on a dark road, there's someone waiting around the corner. They're going to steal your money. And so you don't... You, you would invite... It was, it was culturally acceptable for you to invite anyone who was maybe new or walking into your house to stay with you that night before they continue on their way. And so these individuals invite Jesus to come into their... To come into this home. And Jesus... It's funny to me, he goes in to stay with them. A resurrected Christ, a resurrected Jesus, who evidently was was kind of headed elsewhere. These guys make an invitation, and Jesus takes them up on their invitation and goes with them. Verse 30. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he departed from their sight. A lot of uh, a lot of scholars and people that are studying these texts say that there's such strong strong parallels from this moment. That Jesus, the resurrected Christ, is sharing a meal with two, we only know the name of one of them, people that probably no one else even knew of. We don't even hear the name, this person, Cleopas, throughout any other portion of the scriptures. We don't even know the name of one of them, nameless people, people that probably, at the end of the day, uh, weren't important or didn't matter on a a status type of a thing. Jesus, in this moment, sharing a meal with them, that make these... The scholars will look at this meal and they'll and they'll see these parallels between when Jesus was feeding the thousands, when Jesus was breaking bread, and also to the last supper, the, the last meal that Jesus shared with with his 12. Such strong parallels there. And we know these weren't part, you know, these, these two guys or the guy and gal, whoever they were, they weren't part of the 11, but they were definitely, they had been following Jesus and been hoping for him to be the one that would, Redeem Israel, but it makes you wonder that these did these individuals get to see Jesus breaking bread uh, before the thousands and turning a lunchable into a meal that would feed thousands of people. But it's in this moment that their eyes are opened to the resurrected Christ, and then Jesus disappears. I'm not kidding you. That's exactly what happened. Now, some of you are like, "Now wait just a second. You had me until you said." Disappeared, because people don't do that. Well, Jesus did. I don't know what, how to tell you that, or what what you want to do with that, but I'm just telling you that that's what happened. And it's not the only time that happens. Jesus appears and then disappears multiple times in this 40-day period. Can you imagine walking along with someone it doesn't even have any clue what happened in Jerusalem over the last week? Then this person begins to explain all that the Old Testament says that leads up to the coming and the arrival of a Messiah that they'd been looking for. And to hear this person speak the way that he did, invite him into their home. They're sharing a meal, and their eyes are opened. It's Jesus. And they don't even get a chance to do anything because Jesus disappears. Can you imagine? And so the story continues in the final few verses here. Verse 32. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. Remember, it's dark outside. It's not a place that you want to be. You don't want to be headed anywhere at this point. But immediately, they got up. And returned at once to Jerusalem, verse 33. There they found the eleven and those with them, assembled together. And saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. And that's the story. And I want to encourage you uh, don't cheat and go get ahead right now. Don't read the rest of this story, but this is a story you need to finish. Maybe later today, maybe on your. Uh, <laughs> when you're waking up before you start your day tomorrow, this is a story that you need to finish because that's not the ending to the story, but it is where we're going to end the story today. So, can you imagine? Huh. Can you imagine putting yourself in their sandals for a moment, being there? And there's a few things that I just want to, as, I, as I've kind of wrestled with this, with this text, uh, some things that some things that are on my heart some things that I've seen and, and some things that I feel like um, at the end of the day um, just some observations that I feel like could be helpful to us as we move forward because this isn't just a story cool story bro peace out home fry and then we just drop it and don't do anything with it there's they're here for a reason so so let's, let's maybe dive in a little bit to that and the first the first uh, statement that I want to make that this passage points to is that it's hard to see Jesus for who he truly is. We just read in this story that these two men were were not able to see Jesus. Some of the texts even say that, that God had kept them from recognizing him. But they had already heard the news that Jesus was alive. The women came back from the tomb and said, Some angels appeared to us and, and told us that, that Jesus is risen. So they had already heard this 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 witness account of someone who had seen the resurrected Jesus, but it wasn't good enough. Because if you remember back in the story, their their faces were they were looking down, looking into the dirt. They were they were headed away from Jerusalem. But to be fair, though, Jesus' own disciples, the 11 that were left, of his own disciples, they were in the same boat, right? They had lived life with the Son of God. They saw his miracles. They listened to his teaching. They watched how he interacted with people. And even they were unable to see Jesus for who he was. And there's so many times we're going to read a passage of, of, of Scripture, and I, I do this a lot in the Old Testament, where I'll read about the children of Israel, and then I'll think to myself, like when I hear stories about like that as, as the children of Israel were in the desert, that like, God didn't allow their clothes to wear out. And every single day he had something fresh for them to eat. And he always made sure that they had in the wilderness enough water to sustain life. That he did this for 40 years. Miracle after miracle after miracle. And I read those accounts and I'm like, stupid people. But then I start thinking about it. How this plays out in my life. And I'm like, I'm worse than they are. I'm worse than they are. If you're a follower of Christ and you're here today, I, would, I, would, I don't know that I have to go too far out on a limb to say, you found yourself in that same spot. That God has proven to you time and time again that he's got you. That you're covered. That you're taken care of. Jesus himself said, if, 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 if God makes sure that some lousy birds have something to eat, and, 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 and to clothe like the flowers And, and Solomon and all, his, and all of his wealth And, 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 the, and the stuff that, that God blessed him with he didn't, he didn't hold a candle To what these flowers Look like And so if God cares enough about Like flowers and birds Like how much more does he care about you But we know these things But then we'll go and we're like God are you even there Are you even Are you listening Are you even there And we aren't exempt to this. So I can't bang on the disciples too, too hard because I can't begin to tell you moment after moment in my life, I'll speak for myself here, where I was looking for Jesus. And I couldn't see him. Yet he was there the whole time. Yet he was there the whole time. Just like the story we read. The one person that they were looking for was right there in their midst. But Jesus is hard to see for who he truly is. And, it, and it's not that Jesus wasn't or isn't there for us or for me. Speak to my journey. It's that what I wanted him to be and who he truly was were two different things, or often two different things. To be clear, Jesus, the person of Jesus, God's son, is all that we will ever need. If you're a follower of Christ, you know this. That everything you could ever need is found in him alone. He is not lacking. He doesn't need us. And he refuses to change who he is to fit into the Jesus-sized box that I try to smash him in every now and then. It's hard to see Jesus for who he truly is because he is so much More. Than I could ever imagine. He is so much more. Than I could ever wrap my head around. He is more loving. He is more gracious. He is more powerful. Fill in the blank. Than we will ever know. And it's hard to see Jesus for who he truly is. The next thing that looking at this story and pulling from this passage. And that, that last point, really, to be honest, explains a, a good, like, if you were to summarize that story that we just read, that's, that's a good way to, uh, to explain that story. But, but secondly, that story in the greater context of the, of the book that Luke wrote is this point, that it takes a transformation of your imagination to see it and embrace Jesus' upside-down kingdom. Let me say that again that it takes a transformation of your imagination to see it and embrace jesus 's upside down kingdom that you and I don't have the ability to to transform the way we think now I want to be clear that there, there the, at, at the end of the day if you 're a follower of Christ and you 've surrendered your life to him that there is a certain component of the Christian life that um, that God invites us into as a partnership. And there's moments when, for instance, we need to take every thought captive. We don't just need to run, run with random thoughts that just aren't true, or, or random thoughts that would weigh us down, or, or random thoughts that, to be honest, would lead us down the wrong path. There's something to be said about that. We need to take every thought captive. And, uh, and so there is a part to play. But, but I, but I want to be clear that that you and I alone don't have the ability to transform the way that we think. And the way that we think is super important because uh, the way we think sinks down into our heart and uh, and, and ultimately the way that we live our lives flows from it. And so what you believe, or what I believe, matters. And it's not just like a, you know, just a cool thing, a little placard we get to keep up on the, the wall of our heart. What you believe shapes the way that you live. It doesn't matter if you're a Christ follower or not. Your belief system shapes the way that you think. But we don't have, in our own ability, without the help of the Holy Spirit, we don't have the ability to transform the way that we think. It's a partnership, yes. But alone, we cannot do it. If you don't believe me, read uh, in a book of the Bible, chapter 12. A a, a book of the Bible called Romans, in chapter 12. Read, Read that. But let me give you the Cliff Notes version. Is that it takes a work of the Holy Spirit to transform our mind. There's a part to play. Just like the Holy Spirit in these moments that that these writers were writing the Bible, the, the Old and the New Testament, you know, they didn't come under this crazy trance and just their arms start moving. It was a partnership, it was a partnership. God invites us into a partnership. Knowing that at the end of the day, without apart from him, we cannot do the things that we need to do. But a genuine work of the Holy Spirit is what it will take to transform our mind. To change the way that we think. But, but seeing it isn't enough. Jesus invites us to be a part of this upside-down kingdom that we talk about a lot around here is that Jesus opened the kingdom or the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. There, there's multiple authors who use different terms, but the idea is that Jesus walks onto the scene and, and does kind of what everyone had been expecting him to do. He just does it way different. But he opens the kingdom of God to everyone. And Jesus invites us and anyone else from that moment till now into this kingdom. But it's an upside down kingdom. It's a, it's a kingdom that doesn't work anything like we would think. It doesn't work anything like we naturally do or think or say anything. In fact, it goes against the very grain and the kind of life that Jesus calls us into, the kingdom that he invites us to be a part of, it flies in the face of what comes natural, what comes easy. And so seeing it, yes, we need to see it, but we also need to be willing to embrace it because this way of living, this life, this kingdom life, is something that we can't do apart from him it does not come natural to us and if you think that it, you can do it without the help of the Holy Spirit or do it in your own strength then I would invite you to open up the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5 and read the next few chapters and have fun with that I've tried and I'm here to tell you the way of life that Jesus calls us into takes nothing short of of the Holy Spirit his help as we continue to surrender ourselves to him we're to be salt and light we're not supposed to to, to murder but, but even to think angry thoughts Jesus goes a step further and says, you've heard it said this way, but even to think about someone or to hate someone, you've basically killed them. Uh, uh, to look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. So everything that everyone is going, I, I can do that, I can do that, I can. I cannot sleep with another person uh, out of outside of wedlock. Jesus walks in and raises the stakes and says, no, this is the kind of kingdom life that I'm, that, that I'm into, because at the end of the day, I'm after your heart. I'm not in it for the list of rules. I'm in it for the relationship.'" And this isn't a list of rules and do's and don'ts. But this is one of many passages and many openings of the kingdom of God. And Jesus begins to tell people what it looks like. What's the kingdom of God like? What's this upside kingdom look like in real time? That's how it looks. Not judging others. Not worrying. Getting to the root of why you do what you do. That your treasure's in heaven. It's not to please anyone or to get approval of anyone. Giving to the needy, loving our enemies. Man, I mean, just read that list of stuff and try doing that in your own strength. It takes a transformation. And yes, our part in it is surrendering and saying, God, I need you. I need, I cannot, I can't do this. But I also acknowledge this isn't a list of do's or don'ts. This is, you have something for me. You don't want something from me. But there's a, there's a better way. It's a kingdom mindset. It's a kingdom way. It's the upside, down, the, kingdom, the upside down kingdom that Jesus calls us into. And this kingdom of God is not the kingdom that everyone was expecting it to be. This kingdom that, that he would walk in and overthrow Rome. Jesus is like, there's bigger fish to fry. I'm going to set up a kingdom in the hearts of mankind. It's not a one-time event. It's a movement, it's a community, it's a way of life. In short, kingdom life is impossible to embrace and live out in our strength. We need, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. We need to become more and more dependent on Him. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, as we surrender ourselves to Jesus and all that he truly is, not what I want him to be, not what I was hoping he would be, who he truly is, if I surrender myself to him, we can see it and we can embrace this kingdom life that we are called to. And that kind of leads us to our last thought and uh, and. For whatever reason, for the last couple of times that I, that I spoke, it always seems like we, to bring this thing around full circle, it gets back to, to the mission of the church. It gets back to, at the end of the day, what it's all about. And this last thing is that, that, that it's a picture of what Jesus commands his followers to be. If you look at the story of the road to Emmaus, the story we just read, this gives us a snapshot not only of what Jesus is still doing today. And I don't know if, if, if you have crossed that line of faith yet. Maybe you're still kicking the tires on this whole Jesus thing and you're like, I don't know, man, that's, uh, that's a pretty tall order. And I just haven't fully surrendered myself yet to that. I, and I, I hear what you're saying or I've, I've been to church a couple of times, but I just haven't, I haven't bought in yet. And maybe that's you and you're journeying down the road, your own road to Emmaus. Or maybe you have had that moment with Jesus, and you've followed him like these individuals had, but yet you're still not seeing him. Something's, something's not quite right. But that Jesus is still in the business of coming alongside and walking with us. If you're watching today, if you're here in this room today, whether you realize it or not, just like these people didn't, he is with you. He is pursuing you. He was strategic about these people. First shows himself to uh, some women. And in that culture, everyone's going, no, that's not credible. You don't show yourself to a woman. Go show yourself to someone important. Go, go find Pilate. He was the guy who executed him. Why wouldn't Jesus show up in, in Pilate's living room and go, hey, your wife told you you shouldn't kill me. I'm here to tell you. She was right. So, but he didn't do that. He shows up to these nameless nobodies. And he's still in the business of doing that today. And he comes alongside. And even if you can't recognize him, and if you can't, even if you can't see it, he's there. He's walking alongside you. But he's also here in the form of his word. The Bible refers to Jesus as the word. And John 1 begins that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus is the word. And so think about that for a moment that the word of God was explaining the word of God to a bunch of nameless people that didn't matter. They hadn't got it. They didn't put two and two together. But his word... He's not just here in the form of walking with us and his spirit following us and pursuing us. And like we were, like we were saying earlier, with this, this reckless love, this love that just doesn't make sense to us. It, from our perspective, it's, it's, it's a reckless and it's a stupid love because anyone that had a brain would not do that. But once again, it's an upside down kingdom. Jesus doesn't do things how we want him to. He does things how he does things. But whether it's in the presence of him pursuing you and whatever it is, the situations in your life or the, or the friends or the family members that he has allowed you to come in contact with, he also provides himself in the form of his scriptures. The cool thing is, is we not only have the Old Testament that Jesus explained, we have the New Testament. And he's right there. The whole thing points to him. Calls us into the life he's called us Into Shows us what that looks like. And Jesus is still, like he did in this story, explaining what the scriptures actually mean, if we'll dive in. That the Holy Spirit reveals truth to us. And as we pop open a page of God's word, maybe you've never had this moment, and I would encourage you to, what would it look like if you just dove in and you're not even really sure where to start i don't know start in one of the gospels there's four different accounts of the life and ministry death and resurrection of jesus that's a great place to start so start in any one of those and in that moment i will promise you this that if you surrender yourself and say hey god i'm not sure about this but you explained yourself to these two that they didn't get it they'd heard all those scriptures They'd grown up in that system. They knew what they knew. What those scriptures? They knew they were there, but they didn't make the connection. And if you went out of your way to make that connection for them, would you do that for me? I promise you, He'll meet you there. But to open up the scriptures and say, "Man, God, God, would you, would you, would you speak truth to my heart?" Through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you reveal truth that these words would jump off the page? That's how my dad got saved, actually. He was sitting, and out of all books, to be honest with you, he pulled open Romans. He didn't have a televangelist on the screen, you know, walking him through the ABCs of salvation. He started reading Romans. And God's word did what God's words God said his word would do, and that it went out, and it would not return void. And my dad found Jesus him in a Bible. Because Jesus is still in the business of opening the scriptures to us if we'll dive in. If we're willing to listen. Jesus is still pursuing and walking beside us even if we don't acknowledge him or, or, or recognize him. He's still speaking through his word like he did on the road to Emmaus with these. And he's still desiring community, communion with us. They invited him and he took the invitation. And I'm telling you here, he's still in the business of accepting invitations. I had a part of my life where I'd been running from the call of God on my life throughout my teenage years. And I had a lot of baggage leading up to that, so I won't bore you with that. But what I will say is, by the time that I finally surrendered myself to him, it was one of those moments where I wasn't in false humility saying this. I was being 100% genuine and saying, I don't know why you would want to, but if you could somehow still use me, or if you'd still have me, count me in. Count me in. I don't know why you would, or why he did, but he did, because he's still in the business of accepting invitations. He did in this story, and he's still doing it today. And, the, and it's not so much that the story Story of the road to Emmaus happened as much as that it happens. Jesus is still doing what he did, and he's calling us into it as well. If you read through other uh, accounts in the Gospels, Jesus basically we um, we 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 call it the Great Commission, but in essence, it's like Jesus is like, I'm about to leave, and I need you to under, if you only get one thing, I need you to hear this. And he calls his followers into what their purpose is. And to be quite honest, it looks really similar to what Jesus did on this road. go into all the world or as you go because you don't experience and your eyes aren't open to Jesus and you just you just chill with it you're gonna tell so as you're going preach the gospel share what Jesus has done who he is what he's done for you but don't just stop there do what Jesus did Teach them to, to obey. Dive into the scriptures and, and, and figure out what that actually means. And To obey all that I've commanded you. Man. <laughs> Baptizing them in the name of Jesus. But basically making disciples and, and, and then, and lo, I'm with you always. This perfect picture that we see painted along this road to Emmaus is exactly What Jesus is still in the business of doing, and it's exactly what He's calling us into as well. And so, what I—the way that—as I I was just kind of trying to figure out, uh, Lord, how could we, in this moment, take an opportunity to maybe some to to seal some things here in this moment, or to solidify some things in our heart, or maybe give us some next steps. Now, uh, Rather than me telling you what those things are, uh, what I would like to do is I would like to move into maybe just a moment of reflection. The story that we just read says that, that, that those followers, their eyes were open when Jesus broke the bread, representing that the bread that was broken was Jesus' body that was broken for you and for me. So maybe you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, and um, maybe the reflection or the, the reflective moment for you could simply be the very thing Jesus was doing when these followers' eyes were opened to that this was—they were in the presence of the risen Christ. Maybe you want to find yourself in a similar place, and so if, if if that's you, then I then I'd recommend you in in this next moment that we're going to have, where we're going to have some some time to respond each in our own way, however we feel, are feeling led by the Holy Spirit in each of our hearts, or how we maybe just maybe I should do that. Maybe it looks like grabbing. Uh, a cup of communion and having a moment between you and Jesus. And if you're a follower, to just once again, just from a heart of gratitude, remembering what he had done, what he has done for us. But maybe, um, maybe you're here today and, and that's not what it looks like, but, but it might look like this, that there, there are some people in your life that you're hoping that just naturally, they would, you know, look at you and your life and, and the way that you treat people, or the way that you live your life, and then that would be enough for people to want to come follow Jesus. And 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 maybe that maybe that would happen. But but what I would ask too is maybe if you're a Christ follower and you're in the room today, what I would ask you to do, and maybe even if it's not here, I would ask you for this week or maybe even in this moment, two people representing each person that was on the side that was on this road that Jesus came alongside two people in your life that you'd think about that you know what I don't think it's anything short of a divine orchestration that I have been placed into the life of these two individuals and they could be completely unrelated one could be a person at work the other person could be I don't know a family member it could be anyone probably not someone in your life group especially if they already know Jesus. I'm referring to someone who is has not made that connection yet. That this week, that you would ask the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart two names that just as Jesus with strategic intentionality went after these two, that he would give you the burden to begin to go to these people and that he would give you those God moments and give you a boldness to step out and to, in essence, do what Jesus modeled for us here and continue to walk alongside, continue to share your story, continue to to uh, to speak about God's word, bringing God's word into conversations and going, you know what, I, I hate that you're in this situation. I was in a very similar one and, and in that moment, the one thing that kept me, the one thing that, that brought me to the place where I, I didn't give up was this was this verse and i don't know if this applies to you but but this is what the verse is and this is what changed my life and this is what god's brought me through and i've held on to this verse because it's a promise from him to me but that you would come alongside someone so maybe it looks like today in these next few moments for you to sit there and go god where are two people in my life two people that don't know you two people that you've positioned me to be walking alongside that, that you continue to put a burden in my heart maybe it's already there And that I would reach out with intentionality. I would come alongside them. And I would maybe ask questions like Jesus did. What are you guys talking about? What's going on? Ask some specific questions. You don't have to have all the answers. If you know how to ask some really good questions. Or maybe today you're here. And you're outside of a relationship with Jesus. And um, maybe you've heard about him. But you've never... Took that dive. You never crossed that line of faith. Today can be that day. So if you're here and you're in that place where you're like, you know what? I've been kicking the tires for a long time. Today I'm 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 in. Kind of like what I said earlier. I don't know if you'd still have me, because I don't know what's left to give, but if you still have me, I'm yours. If that's you, In these next few moments, I'm going to invite us in our own ways to kind of respond, however, to maybe just have a quiet moment between you and the Lord, but if that's you and you you have never made a decision to follow Jesus, to give him your life, to surrender to him, uh, I would ask that you come up, and I would love to introduce you to him. And I'd love for that to begin today, but for the next few moments for as a time of reflection or of a time to to dedicate your life to him uh can we do that for the next few moments that we would think about the passage that we read because god's word is powerful and it will change our lives if we let it maybe it's a communion time of communion. If you want to come up for that, if you're, if you've given your life to Jesus, come up and remember what he has done for you. And if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I would love to introduce you to him today. And so can, for the next few moments, can we do that? Can we just have a time of reflection and say, God, where do I go from here? What's my next step? Would you speak to me? Give me some names of people that you've put in my path that need to hear and experience who you truly are. Can we do that for the next few minutes, and then we'll come. Up, I'll come back up, and we'll close this thing out. As you're closing out this moment, if, if you're having a moment with with, with Jesus at this point, you can keep keep having that. I, I just a closing thought, and then then I'd love to to pray for you guys as, uh, as you leave, and we go our separate ways, and we go into our our week on mission. Just thinking about the stories of uh, of Jesus going and finding people specifically after his resurrection, like he could have done it so many different ways. Like I look at the way the last forty days played out after his resurrection, before he ascended to heaven, and I think like, well, that was a sorry use of time. Like he could have got it all wrapped up if he'd have just got them all on the top of a hill. And just said, hey guys, I'm here. Here's your instructions. Peace. Like that would have made more sense, right? He could have done that, but he didn't. He didn't do that. He still had moments with quite a few people uh, on a mountain. But, but actually, most of the encounters were with very few people. <laughs> and it kind of plays off of what Pastor Ryan was talking to about earlier. Is that um, my wife and I were talking about this too? Is like why why did why did he show up to Mary Magdalene? She's all by herself. Of course they're gonna think she's crazy. She's she already had seven demons thrown out of her. Of course she's gonna have crazy stories. You know like no one's gonna believe her. But he still went out of his way, and she was actually the first one that he that he appeared to. And then he appears to two nameless. One of them's one of them's nameless. The other one never we ever see in scripture ever again. He shows to two. Nobody followers, shows himself to them. And then as he just continues to go out, we see these stories play out of, at the end of the day, that we that we serve a God that is personal. And he doesn't have to, but he so desires a relationship with, with us, And he did so that he specifically went out of his way to appear to these two people that were headed. They had actually like not fully bought in. They were kind of walking away from Jerusalem. You would think like, no, Jesus, use your time on people that are still kind of in Jerusalem waiting for something to shake out. No, but he finds the people that have started to walk away. And he goes to them and he's, he doesn't just like give them a sermon and walk out. He, he, he walks with them the journey. And even accepts their invitation to come into their own home. And something so powerful about that. And I'll be honest with you, um, it's real easy to not go there with people. Especially if you've ever been burned, trust has been broken, or whatever. It's real easy to be like, you know what, I'm going to hold people at arm's length, or whatever, but, but... we see this the, the, the final moments of Jesus on this earth as the resurrected Christ. He's in close proximity, and he goes out of his way to make these personal contacts. Some of them for these nameless people that no one would ever even know. And my challenge, or my, the, the, the challenge for me, for myself, I guess, would, would be this: to, to because that's exactly what Jesus did before his death and resurrection. That's what he did after his death and resurrection. And that's exactly what's powerful. And I think about how he's met me. And it's personal. And those personal moments have been powerful. And that has played a huge impact in my life. And, and God has used specific people to do that with. People that have gone out of their way and just spent some time with me when I didn't deserve it so I want to challenge you to do that same thing to go out of your way to find someone specific be strategic with it because personal is powerful and it's not um, it's not easy but it is what Jesus modeled and and, and And that's what he decided to do with his last few moments here on earth before he returned or returned back to to heaven. And so, uh, anyways, that's serve a personal God. It's not a list of do's and don'ts and rules and the mean little kid with a magnifying glass looking for opportunities to fry us, the little ant. It's not like that. I've looked at God like that a good portion of my life, and it's a skewed view of who he actually is. It's not looking and seeing Jesus for who he truly is. And my challenge is (laughs) that that he would open our eyes as he opened the eyes of these followers, and we would see people the way he sees them, and we'd look at these opportunities as the way that he sees them and as the way that he orchestrates them. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for uh, a story about something that that absolutely happened. And I thank you that it happens, that you continue to follow and come alongside us and journey with us down our road. And Lord, is it. as we, whether we're listening to maybe a, a message or a sermon or we're opening God's Word for ourselves, I thank you that you're still in the business also of illuminating and and opening the Scriptures and revealing truth to us. Thank you that your Word is living and active, and that you are the Word. And so thank you that you're still in that business. But but more than anything, I, I look back and I think about the way that you love me and the way that you showed me at the cross. and. And then in my own personal journey, how you've come alongside and taken time to be personal with me and love me and, 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 and provide for me and protect me and, and, and to be everything that I would ever need. Thank you that you're a personal God. And I pray that um, from this gratitude that, can, that comes from experiencing the kind of love that you are that that would flow and trickle into every person we come in contact with. But I pray that instead of just hoping that the chips fall where they may, that we walk into that blue dot that follows us throughout this week in the relationships that you've positioned us to journey alongside others down their road, that we would be strategic as we reach out, We try to to love and to share who you are, what you've done for us. Give us opportunities and give us boldness to step out. We love you. And it's in your name we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys for being here today. I hope you have an incredible week. And, uh, and, uh,